I was driving through the mountains and snow started pouring down from the sky. It was the end of June and it was snowing. I'd experienced every element so far on this drive and snow was literally the icing on the cake. Seeing snow in the middle of summer can be disorienting, but it also gives you this sensation like you're in another dimension or another universe. It's so foreign to what I'm used to that it makes for a very special moment. I've only experienced it a couple times in my life. Once in Switzerland, when I was 19 and traveling alone for the first time, and again in 2019 in Norway, as I rode the train through the mountains. It's just really awesome. Anyway, I'm Giulio Gallarotti, and this is Pack Light Season 1, a COVID-friendly road trip. bad with how many of the episodes I've started by saying this, but <laughs> I woke up feeling terrible. Again, I don't know. Anybody who's ever burned the candle at both ends knows that when you wake up in the morning while you're doing that, you don't feel great, you know? And in this situation, I didn't have a choice but to keep going. I had to keep pushing. I had to get to Chicago July 3rd on the evening to be with Bay. There was no other option. So I needed to push through it. The good news is I'd gone to bed so early that I woke up at 6.30 a.m. ready to crush it. My car had gotten a nice wash from the crazy storm that had gone down during the night, so that was good. And this storm was intense. Like, I woke up from time to time to thunder and lightning and just torrential downpours. Before I got going, I stopped for a coffee. In the parking lot, I saw a cute, masked couple holding hands and walking into the grocery store that had the Starbucks inside it. Inside, I saw two more adorable old people holding hands and wearing masks, walking out of the store. And they must have been in their 90s. I guess before 7 a.m. is the cute old couple's hour. <laughs> Exclusively for people who've been married 50 years plus. The party next door the night before must have ended early. Or they stopped when I complained. Regardless of what happened, I was able to sleep through the night with no interruptions once I passed out. Despite that, I was still feeling exhausted. Like, you know one of those nights where you get 13 hours of sleep, but you really, really needed it? so somehow you wake up more exhausted. <laughs> it was like a perfect example of that. The little bottle of sake was not enough to get me to a point where I felt hungover, like on some of the other nights, so I didn't have that to blame. I felt like maybe I had a sinus infection. Some, you know, not to be gross, but off-colored mucus, but definitely not what I thought were COVID symptoms. And spoiler alert for any concerned listeners, but I didn't have COVID per my test results a couple days later. I've had these exact symptoms before, and they usually pop up after I get back from some crazy trip, like this one, where I don't rest enough, I get all high on adrenaline, and when that wears off, I'm more and more tired. And it sort of repeats itself every day until I'm just sick. Maybe it was because of this experience, or maybe it was because it was just a phase that had passed, but I wasn't feeling too much hypochondria at this point in the trip. But... I was starting to feel like maybe I was ready for the trip to be over soon. Just three more nights and I would be back in Chicago with Bay and her wonderful family. 
As I hit the road, I decided that I needed to change up the playlist. I decided to tap into some meditation to calm me and hopefully heal me and to make me feel good. So I decided to put on the Daily Meditation Podcast. Each episode was short and sweet and allowed one to really get in touch with how they were feeling in a hope to help one feel grounded and healthy in mind and body. I know life is stressful, but there are miracles waiting for you. If you just close your eyes and focus on your breath. Take a deep breath and out. And again. And out. Now, on the next inhale, I want you to hold your breath and count down from 10, 9, 8, seven, six. Now slowly start to let your breath out. Five, four, three, two, one. Now I want you to repeat after me. Peace flows through me. Peace flows through me. That felt kind of good, right? (laughs) I mean, I definitely leaned into it a little bit, but it was definitely something along those lines. Well, unfortunately, it didn't make me feel fully better, but per usual, I chugged some Dayquil and hoped for the best. After the meditation, I threw on Gunna on repeat for a large percentage of the day. Something about Gunna feels very appropriate for the open road. Like I said before, his song Yosemite from the Travis Scott Astroworld album should be on the National Park soundtrack. It's obviously why they called it Yosemite. But anyway, his album Wanna maintains a similar theme and his music is just really chill in general. Definitely recommend. Something about it feels perfect to listen to while visiting the national parks. Today's route was ambitious yet again. Surprise, surprise. I had been to Yellowstone one other time, only for the afternoon, literally for like an hour and a half. And I got very lucky as I saw literally every animal the park has to offer. I saw a moose, tons of bison, elk, a bear, a wolf, all in about 90 minutes. It was remarkable. I didn't realize how lucky I had gotten since it was the only time I'd ever been there. Last time we entered through the east with my pal Benny D. This time I would enter through the south. I can't believe those last two sentences just came out of my mouth, you know? (laughs) It sounds very much like some kind of cowboy thing, like, last time we entered through the east, but this time we're gonna get them through the south. Here was the proposed route, 368 miles to Jackson, Wyoming, 
in the Grand Teton National Park, which would take about six hours. I could be there by the afternoon, drive around, check it out, and then I would drive up the John D. Rockefeller National Parkway north into Yellowstone. The parkway was maybe 30 or 40 minutes away from where I would be in the park. The parkway basically takes you from the Tetons into Yellowstone. It's sick. Yellowstone is a monstrosity of a park. It takes a few hours to drive from the southern to the northern tip, which I wouldn't be doing today. My goal would be to get about halfway through and then pivot west to my hotel. Once the rain broke and the sun shone through, the first leg of the drive was so beautiful and stimulating and relaxing. It definitely made me feel better. The grass was a beautiful mixture of green, yellow, and brown, beautifully blended and partitioned, with rolling hills, some jagged mini bluffs against the bright blue sky with fluffy white clouds. It looked like a children's cartoon. Somewhere along the route, I got stuck behind a slowpoke, and there were about 10 or 15 cars at one point behind them. Since it's a two-way road with one lane, you can pass if there's room to, but sometimes you can't tell how far cars are away, so it seems risky to pass. I only like to do it when I'm absolutely certain I can pass comfortably. But it was funny to see some of these daredevils blast by three or four cars at one time, settle back into the lane, before eventually passing Mr. Slowpoke himself. The whole process reminded me of what we used to call a, quote, Indian run. I imagine they've changed that name by now, but we used to do it as a conditioning technique for sports when I was a kid. I think we did it on the all-star baseball team when I was like 12 with Coach Van Laysen. You know, the all-star team, not to brag or anything. But the, quote, Indian run is basically when a group of people jog in a line, and the person at the end of the line sprints to the front. So anytime you find yourself last in line, you're supposed to immediately book it to the front. Michael Jordan mentioned it in The Last Dance when talking about practicing with Dennis Rodman, after Dennis had been on a bender for a few nights, and how Rodman not only kept up with the pace, but he went so fast that he set the pace. <laughs> True zero to 100 kind of guy Rodman was. I was never able to fully get past the slowpoke as I was like four or five cars back from him. But fortunately, I had to make a pit stop for gas and was able to get out of the procession. I am not really a risk taker when it comes to trying to pass cars on a two-way road with one lane going in either direction. But some more about this later. At the gas station, I saw the funniest little boy, dressed up like a full-on adult farmer. I wonder if it was his parents enjoying dressing him up like a little farmer man, or if he just really looks up to his dad and try to dress accordingly. But this little fella was wearing brown Wrangler boots, boot-cut jeans, a blue and green checkered flannel shirt, which was tucked into his jeans, and topping it all off with a trucker hat, a little cherry on top. He must have been like seven years old, too funny. Once I got to the mountains, the drive through the mountains to the Tetons was amazing. It took me through the Shoshone National Forest, where it started snowing in the middle of summer, a tree. Mountains covered with thick forests, lots of great lookout points and winding roads. 
It's always an added bonus when the journey also feels like the destination. It was also cold, like in the 60s. Now, obviously I was at a high altitude, but this drastic weather change stressed me out since my immune system was already fragile. The idea of feeling sick and going to stay with Hillary's parents seemed not ideal in every way, but it was early enough in the game that there was no need to panic. I had experienced enough ups and downs emotionally due to all the time spent alone, so I knew that to a degree my mind was playing tricks on me and I needed to carry on. Grand Tetons are like in-your-face magnificent. Big peaks covered in snow, right in a row on display. The Tetons are part of the Rocky Mountain Range. They span for about 40 miles north to south throughout Wyoming. The highest peak, named Grand Teton, obviously, is about 14,000 feet, 4,200 meters. A big boy for sure. I could have planned this part of my trip a little better, but the plan was to explore Yellowstone more extensively this time than I did last time. So in the interest of doing that, I was just gonna drive around the Teton Park for an hour or two, make a few stops to take some pics, and drive north to Yellowstone. Now you could visit, and I think many people do, but you could visit both the Tetons and Yellowstone for a week and still feel like you didn't have enough time. So doing both in one day was giving me anxiety, but I needed to get over it and carry on especially because this was a bonus. I hadn't planned on even coming this far west. It was a late game decision to add Yellowstone, which is a classic example of not realizing how far it actually is when you're looking at a map. You're like, ah, oh, I'm already driving X amount of miles. I might as well just add this onto. I wanted to try to come back because last time I felt really rushed in Yellowstone and I was so blown away by it that I really wanted to see more. But one day I'd like to come back to this area for a week maybe with Hillary or my parents or something. I ended up accidentally exiting and re-entering the park a few times, which normally would mean I would have to pay $35 again. But fortunately I had my park pass, which when I re-entered had officially more than paid for itself. Clutch. Many of the peaks of the Tetons had disappeared into the clouds, which isn't necessarily ideal, but Plenty of the peaks were still visible as well, which made it kind of sick. Equally cool to a fully clear day in my opinion. They say that at Denali in Alaska, which I ended up visiting two months later to complete all 50 states, they say you can only see the mountain 33% of the time in general. But those statistics are skewed because it's much more visible in the wintertime. In Alaska, spring, summer, and fall all happen during the traditional summer months like early June through September, which are also the peak tourism months. So during that time, it's actually very rare to see the peak clearly at all. And not only clearly, but literally to see any of the peak whatsoever, whether it's the base, the middle, typically you can't see it at all. Fortunately, when I visited, I got to fly by the mountain and I did end up seeing a little bit of it just for a second, but only for a second. And I spent two or three days there. I'm using Denali as an example because Denali, which was formerly called Mount McKinley, is the tallest peak in North America. 
right around 20,000 feet. Take a wild guess as to where that ranks in the world. I'll give you a second. Okay, time's up. It isn't even in the top 100 in the world. That's crazy, right? There are some beasts out there, apparently. I think Mount Everest is like 29,000 feet. That's the biggest one. While I was looking at the Tetons, I couldn't help but think about how all my wealthy New York City friends had gone on skiing trips out here in Jackson Hole every year when they were kids and how lucky they were. Another cool thing about mountains in general is that sometimes you can see the mountain peaks above the clouds, which creates this like crazy optical illusion where you can't tell if the mountains are clouds or if the clouds are mountains. And if you look at it for too long, it can start to make you dizzy. When you visit some of these big parks, if you don't know which reference points to check out, the move can sometimes be to check some of the nearby tagged points on Instagram. You can look at people's geotags and see where they took dope pictures and plan to go there. But just make sure you figure it out beforehand and download the Google Maps. Because in some cases, like in Yellowstone, you won't have any service the whole time you're inside the park. Make sure you take the map that they give you when you enter Yellowstone too, because it's actually very helpful and easy to read. For the Tetons, I did a mixture of searching on Instagram and obvious things like Googling things to see in the Grand Tetons. One of the places that looked intriguing, especially from all the pictures, was this cool little church tucked away at the base of the mountains. The church is called the Chapel of Transfiguration. A Google search describes it as the following. The Chapel of Transfiguration is a small log chapel in the Grand Teton National Park in the community of Moose. The chapel was sited and built to frame a view from the cathedral of the giant peaks in a large window behind the altar. Now, sadly, the church itself was closed, but I would say you can get 90% of the experience without actually having to go inside. I couldn't help but wonder who the hell was going over there to actually pray. I guess settlers around the turn of the 19th century? But of course I had to look it up. Wiki said that it was built in 1925, and further said that the chapel was built to serve guests and employees of the Dude Ranches that stretch north of Jackson along the base of the Teton Range. I forgot that Dude Ranch was an actual term, and wondered how it went from describing a ranch to young Californian men beginning and ending each of their sentences with it. Dude, what's a Dude Ranch, dude? Sweet, dude. Closer to the Rockefeller Highway, there were these big bodies of water right in front of the mountain, with people fly fishing, or just plane fishing. If you visit the area, I recommend going for a few days, even if you're not going to camp, because there's simply too much to see. I was literally stopping every five minutes to get out of the car and take pictures. Once I started driving on the Rockefeller Highway, I had no service pretty much for the rest of the day, until I exited Yellowstone at least. This was pretty much the first time I would have no service for basically the entire day. Which is fine, minus having to navigate around. But like I said, they do give you a map as you enter Yellowstone. And as far as the map is concerned, everything is pretty clearly marked as you drive through the park. They do an incredibly good job of being organized while maintaining raw nature. You can see animals at any moment in every part of the park. But that's not always a good thing. 
I found out later that night on the news that some 70-year-old lady had gotten gored by a bison that day at Yellowstone. She apparently got way too close to it, and it got pissed off and attacked her. Now, literally on the brochure that they hand you, which is also the map, on the cover of the brochure, there's a picture of a bison goring someone. And it says, in big letters, Yellowstone is a dangerous place, followed by some tips to avoid being murdered by animals. Now, I just couldn't help but think that, like, this lady was handed that pamphlet and then was gored hours later. It's kind of hard to feel bad for her. But she was 72, so I'm not sure how she even survived that. But obviously, I'm happy that she did. But pretty crazy. I remember the last time I was in Yellowstone. There were bison everywhere. I got out of the car with my buddy Benny to take pics of one. We were far enough away from it that it felt safe. But it started trotting towards us in a way where it seemed like he was building up speed. Not ideal. So I sprinted to the car while Benny sprinted into the woods. Once I was in the car, the bison just kind of casually continued trotting by the car. But he made sure to side-eye me as he casually trotted by the car. I locked eyes with the bison. It was an insane moment. But it was almost like he was saying to me, you're lucky this time, pal. Keep your distance. I don't know why I just gave a bison a New Jersey accent, but whatever. That was my artistic liberty with the bison voice. (laughs) I was just going to make sure not to cut it that close ever again. The Rockefeller Parkway was delightful takes you directly from the Tetons right into Yellowstone, like I said before. No turns, no nothing. You just keep driving straight and you head right into the Yellowstone Southern Entrance. Which, for some reason, the Southern Entrance felt much less congested than any of the other entrances or exits that I had gone to. And once I was done with this trip, I will have entered and exited from North, South, East, and West, and the Southern Entrance was definitely the least crowded. There was like nothing around. I think it must be because the elevation is so high and you're actually driving through nature to get to more nature. Whereas the other ones have all kind of like towns on the outsides of them, you know? The other thing that was different about entering from the south was I just wasn't seeing any animals. And I don't know if this was just a coincidence based on the day or the weather patterns, but the scenery was obviously still incredible. Maybe more beautiful than the rest of the scenery I had seen, if you even want to do that. It's hard to compare in Yellowstone. Truly, it's all amazing. But the drive looked similar to like the Shoshone situation getting to the Tetons, but just maybe amped up a little bit, like 10% cooler. The most impressive thing to me about Yellowstone is the sheer size of the park. It's just enormous. And it's amazing sight after amazing sight. Basically, every part of the park is breathtaking. My plan was to try to check out the Grand Prismatic Spring, which I had seen online and looked sick. Now, while it was definitely cool, it was hard to see the spring itself because of all the gas coming out of the ground and the mist. I don't know if they're one and the same, but there were also tons of people on the boardwalk and it was really chilly. I had to wait 30 minutes in a long line of cars to get a parking spot and I wasn't feeling that great. A whole list of obstacles. Now, I'm sure there are days where the spring itself is more visible and would have thus made it much more worth it. But nature obviously doesn't always cooperate with your plans. 
which is why when you get a really good view, it actually feels way more rewarding because you know there's a chance that you might not be able to in many situations with nature. I was able to get a couple good glimpses of it here and there. The Grand Prismatic Spring kind of reminds me of one of those cool stones you'd get in elementary school. Not amethyst per se, but it kind of like looks like a rock that's been cut in half. And in the middle of it, there's this multicolored prism. The spring kind of looks like that, but baked into the ground. The different colors that are generated from it, and it's all sorts of different colors of the rainbow, but those are all generated from sulfur and bacteria. I think there are some lookout points that you can get a good view of it from above, which in my opinion is the ideal way to see it, based on some of the pictures that I saw on Instagram. The boardwalks over the spring were narrow and congested, and it was hard to move at the pace that I wanted to. I was just walking by all these slow pokes. <laughs> I even heard some girls with southern accents say, People don't say excuse me here. What are we in New York? I wanted to be like, get out of the way, lady. But I didn't say anything. down the road, I drove by eight female moose grazing on a mountainside. It's funny, you can always tell where there are animals around because people flock around them like geese. Most of the time, you see the cars and congestions of people in an area where you're like, there's nothing going on here. So you know there's an animal there. But you always spot that before you even spot the animal. Which, of course, takes away from the experience a bit. It's fun to kind of like spot the nature yourself for the first time. That's the goal but it was hard to be an effective lookout for myself because I was driving, so I didn't want to be distracted. That's where someone in the passenger seat would have really been useful. So I saw those moose, and then on the drive out of the park, I saw a few more. All female, which means no antlers. Obviously would love to see those big antlers, which was another thing that I would end up seeing in Alaska. I saw a giant family of moose, it was pretty cool. And we actually got out of the car to kind of like run off the side of the road in Denali to take pictures of it. And these old people just started going, you're not allowed to get out of the car. You're not allowed to get out of the car. I just wanted to be like, dude, whatever. Mind your own business. But earlier that day in Denali, I had taken a bus ride and the tour guide was really helpful. And one of the facts that she taught us was really interesting. She told us that the reason why moose are always spotted standing in the middle of the road during the winter is because their legs don't do well in the snow. They buckle and they fall and get stuck and obviously don't enjoy it. So they like to camp out in the middle of the road and are known for having tempers when they're confronted by drivers, which is just hilarious because moose are kind of always portrayed as gentle animals. Although I guess like they're all also like, now that I think back on it, in some video games I played, there's this game called Mickey Mania and like there was a level where the moose got angry and he charged. So I guess moose's charges were a thing, but... I'm used to just seeing a moose and thinking that they would be like, <laughs> you know, like have some silly cartoonish voice. But anyway, they don't recommend honking or antagonizing the moose because they'll charge and can do some serious damage to your car. The move is to try to respectfully drive around them if possible, which is so hilarious to me. Like who knew moose had so much personality? I snapped a couple pics of the moose that I saw. Pillory always makes fun of me if I ever zoom in to take pictures. But in my defense, it's an animal. 
If I don't zoom in, you won't be able to see it. But I guess you can zoom in on the zoomed out picture once you take it, but isn't that the same thing? I don't know. Let me know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Unfortunately, I didn't see any bison. I didn't see any other animals, in fact. It was still awesome, but I was hoping to see some more. I'm getting frustrated as I read this because there's no way to really describe how incredible Wyoming and Yellowstone are. You truly just need to go see it for yourself. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. While I was driving around, I saw one of the craziest Instagram boyfriend situations I'd ever seen in the southern part of the park. There was this girl standing on top of this jagged rock that must have been 100 feet above water, above like a ripping river. The little landing she was standing on could only be accessed by jumping across from one rock to another. And the jump required you to jump. It wasn't some like stepping over a gap situation. You had to fully leap over a gap, 100 feet above jagged rocks and whitewater rapids. This was truly putting it all on the line for the gram. <laughs> her Instagram boyfriend snapped a couple pics, and then he also jumped onto her side of the rock. It was crazy. Now, I know you're probably wondering if I stopped at Old Faithful. And the answer is, this time, like last time, no. Again, I wish that I had, but it's okay. Some people have told me that it's really sick. Others say it's not. But the fact that everyone knows about it made me less excited about it, which I need to get over. But I was on a short schedule, as you guys all know, so I figured maybe next time. I figured if the prismatic spring was crowded, Old Faithful would be even more crowded. And I preferred the idea of exploring more than the idea of getting bogged down at one thing again. But Yellowstone has it all. Mountains, lakes, ponds, streams, rivers, trees, valleys, peaks, waterfalls, whatever other nature thing I forgot to mention. It literally has all of it and the sickest possible version of all of it. I tried my best not to veer off onto random roads as I was exiting the park. I was having serious Yellowstone FOMO, but I tried to have self-control. I used the map to navigate out of the west side of the park to Montana and eventually into Idaho where I would be staying tonight. I hadn't had service for hours and could only imagine that Hillary would think I was dead. I forgot about the no service thing, but hoped that no one was too worried. There's this little town as you exit the west side of the park in Montana with a bunch of like hokey food and attractions. I hadn't eaten anything yet, so I figured I would save myself for dinner. As I pulled out of the park, I immediately got service and saw 10 texts from Hillary asking if I was alive. <laughs> After reassuring her that everything was okay, I stopped to buy a celebratory mini bottle of Jose Cuervo Gold from a store called Bullwinkles that was basically a liquor store but was connected to a restaurant. It was weird. The guy working there was so happy and enthusiastic. It's kind of weird. I'm not convinced he wasn't drunk himself. Apparently, people drink quite a bit in Montana, according to Benny D, who went to college here. And not just like people in college, just people in Montana in general drink a shit ton. The guy at the store mentioned that he was out of tequila, but suddenly remembered that he had some small bottles behind the register. At this point, I was drinking every night and eating terribly, the complete opposite of how I intended, but sometimes you just gotta go with the flow. I remember that I wanted a Red Bull. So I was like, oh, one sec, I need to get a Red Bull. And the guy just goes, ah, it's on the house. Again, I'm not sure why this guy was so pumped up, but I tipped him a buck or two on the receipt as a thank you. I always wonder about that. Like, if someone hooks you up, you're supposed to hook them up back, right? But I don't believe that you should hook them up back more than they hooked you up. 
they initiated, right? It makes sense to tip less than the price of the goods that were given to you, but to still show your appreciation for the nice deed. That makes sense, right? So I decided to tip less than the cost of the Red Bull, but not much less. The guy was like, oh man, it's so slow this year, which was also part of the reason why I left a tip. Now, even though he was really nice and really helpful, he was starting to creep me out. I engaged minimally and bounced. My hotel was about 30 or so minutes away. Yellowstone and the surrounding areas were slammed. So many people. Now, I visited at a similar time last time, and it was the same situation. So now it made sense why there were barely any hotels available on the apps when I was looking. I couldn't figure out why that was the case initially. Two things. First of all, like I said, not many hotels available, except the very expensive Spring Hill Suites by Marriott. Like, it's not the Ritz-Carlton, but compared to how much I had been spending, this hotel was three times more expensive than anywhere I had stayed. So that was annoying, but I figured whatever, it's a treat. And it would be better than the random lodge I stayed at last time near Yellowstone. But then I kind of started thinking about it, and actually that little lodge was pretty sick. The only problem was we were driving through the forest at night. We're like, we need to find some place to stay. And that place kind of appeared. And I didn't want to have to try to play the same game. I was exhausted. I didn't want to have to like look around and try to find a spot. I just wanted to have my spot and go and go to bed, you know? But this little lodge, <laughs> it was pretty cool. So first of all, when we got there, there were a bunch of just Native Americans hanging around at the bar wearing French berets and smoking cigarettes inside. This was 2015. I don't know if you could still smoke inside there or anywhere in America, but at the time, you could still smoke inside. When we arrived, it was actually 10 minutes till last call. Perfect timing. I went to take cash out of the ATM, and there was already just 40 bucks sitting there in the tray. Amazing. So as you can imagine, we were pleased with ourselves, but, but it was more kind of about you know the timing and the ambiance and everything, not about the actual hotel. The rooms kind of sucked, and it was just random, you know? But I guess that's fun. I don't know, whatever. But one thing that's noteworthy is that staying at this hotel in Idaho was the biggest logistical mistake that I made in the entire trip. The hotel was located about an hour west of the park. Yellowstone was already way out of the way from my original route, like 400 miles west. So to stay west of that when I needed to go northeast was just a dumb move. I had forgotten about how big Yellowstone was, and I just figured that any hotel near Yellowstone would work. But that was just not the case. I wasn't too hard on myself because for the most part, I had planned pretty well and thoroughly in a short period of time leading up to this. I didn't even realize that the hotel was in Idaho when I booked it. It just said Yellowstone, but whatever, the deed was done. The hotel, located in Idaho Falls, wasn't totally finished yet. Still some construction going on. There was a nice outdoor jacuzzi that I would normally hit hard without the presence of a global pandemic. And the hotel was right beside a scenic river area where people were fly fishing. I don't know much about Idaho, just that Sun Valley is considered one of the best places to live in the country, and that the KKK used to be based there. I'm assuming only one of those facts made it to the brochure. <laughs> I'm also unsure if either of those things are true, I've just heard that. It's funny to note that I answer my parents' phone calls every single time they call me, no matter what, just in case it's an emergency. I noticed that they have done that to me also, my whole life. My dad's a professor, and he will literally answer my call while he's teaching a class and be like, hey, I'm teaching class, are you okay? And then I'm like, yeah, and then he just hangs up. 
<laughs> I guess this is an example of when you become like your parents. We spoke to each other many times a day during this trip. For dinner, I picked the quirkiest looking spot that I could find. I was starving, so I wanted to make this fun. I was gonna overorder for sure, and I was in the mood to eat some gamey food. I drank half of my little bottle of tequila, with the Red Bull of course, in my hotel. On the way up to my room, after scoping the hotel out a bit, I found myself in the elevator with these two knucklehead teenagers, who were young enough to be on a family outdoor trip with their parents, but old enough to sneak out of the hotel to smoke pot each night. Groups of teenagers are not typically a thing that I, or I imagine anyone, enjoys. I was wearing an Astral World hat, and the kids in the elevator were like, what's up, dude? Like kind of classic teenagers being dicks in public, like trying to be funny or something. And for some reason I just went, fucking, I don't know, chilling, man. <laughs> I don't know why I chose to swear, but like maybe I was trying to subconsciously prove to them that I too am cool. I feel very lame having tried to get these teenagers approval in retrospect. But then one of the kids, who reminds me of a guy from this meme that I love, from the account My Cringe, which in my opinion is the funniest account on Instagram. But it's a meme of this teenager and he's singing along to a gunna song. He's not lip-syncing particularly well, shirtless, he daps up his boy as he walks by. He has like long blonde hair, braces, looks like he's on the football team or something. And I forget how the song goes in particular, but it's something like, I know my purpose, foreign car, yeah, camel curtains, blah, 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 got that baby Birkin. Fuck a good and got a legs twerking. And then he makes this like little smile and sex motion. I'm just like, oh God, this is so funny. <laughs> but anyway, this kid looked exactly like that, both physically and in demeanor. He looks at my hat and he goes, Travis Scott, cool, dude. And then we parted ways, but I was shook. <laughs> Somehow that interaction felt like it could have gone much worse. I felt really self-conscious and embarrassed. It's just crazy to get harassed by children. But this was not my first foray into harassment from children. A couple months earlier, teenagers had started throwing M&Ms at my head on the subway. Like really hard too, like chucking M&Ms at my head. After the third one hit my head, I had had enough. And I stood up and I pretended to start filming them. Like to just try to do something. And immediately they surrounded me and started threatening me. And there were literally 10 of them. And they were big. It was just not fun. If I got my ass kicked by a bunch of teenagers, I would feel pretty lame. I was also like slightly turned up at this point. Like a drink or two did the trick these days. But time to head to Connie's. Connie's was the name of the restaurant I was going to. I was greeted by another gorgeous rainbow as I pulled up. Connie's reminded me of what can only be described as a, quote, country kitchen. Kind of like a home he set up inside, wooden chairs and tables, newspaper tablecloths, kind of like a log cabin exterior. And there were all female waitresses who all kind of like felt like your mom, you know? There was a bar with the classic kind of patrons for a place like that. The kind of guys who pay cash and they keep their change on the bar to either continue buying drinks or to put towards the tip. They know the bartender personally and all the other regulars. I was gonna feast. This was my first proper meal of the day. My first course was a little beet salad that came with my entree, plus a nice, fat, delicious piece of classic cornbread. 
I also ordered a small fried shrimp appetizer. The shrimp came kind of flat, kind of like the shrimp was split in two and fried. I liked some extra surface area. They were really good. I then ordered a complete swing and a miss with the fried steak strips. Literally like mozzarella sticks, but with steak in the middle and tomato sauce to dip. The waitress described them as tasty. I would describe them as disgusting. <laughs> I then ordered the herring for my main, which came with a tartar sauce, which I don't really care for. The herring was a little dry. I'm not really sure why I ordered it. I probably should have played it safer, my bad, but I still recommend the restaurant, just maybe try some different items. It was packed and like, I'm sure their other stuff was good. People were stuffing their faces. And that cornbread and the shrimp were incredible. So I still say try Connie's. When I got back to my hotel room, I noticed that the TV had Good Evening, Julio, Time to Relax, written on the screen. And relax, I would. I had hit my low point that day of feeling run down. Tomorrow morning podcast, final podcast of the road trip, then back on the road for a couple more days. On the next episode of Pack Light, I pull an audible and I start the day in Yellowstone. I get inches away from an enormous wild animal and I eat a killer bowl of elk chili. If you've been listening this long, you know the next part. Check out my YouTube, check out the Instagram, Pack Light Picks. Send me messages, let me know what's up. I'd love to hear your suggestions of where I should go next. Please, let's keep doing this. It's been a great time. I hope we can do more of them. Thank you all so much. Have a great day.